All right, welcome back to another episode of the Young Old Heads podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, aka TV Sports Cards. I'm here again with my co-host, Max, at Cards Max. Max, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I just watched the Boston Celtics and Miami Heat play. I am energized for this late evening. It is 11.38 p.m., excuse me, in the East Coast, and I'm doing fine. Yeah, well, you know, this is a special, special episode of the Young Old Heads podcast because we are actually crossing over to three different time zones. We have with us a very special guest coming straight from the Dallas Card Show with all his knowledge of all the card market, of everything that's going on, here to tell us what went down. We got the man, you might know him from the most epic razzes on Twitter, from some of the best high school mixtapes you'll see from someone that's in the hobby. Uh, my man Ryan at Playboy Cards. How you doing, Ryan? What's up, Tommy? What's up, Max? Yeah, dude. Happy to have you here, man. How was uh, How was Dallas last weekend? Dallas was an amazing time. Can it you give always. it? Yeah, I, I heard it's crazy, man. I, I was bummed I couldn't make it out this time, but I'll definitely be there next time. Uh, can you Can you give us like a rundown of what a Dallas card show looks like? Like when you arrive, what are you doing the first night, second night? You know, walk us through a little bit. So pretty much, it's just like. 72 hours of straight cards like you get there <clears throat> i landed um i went to the hotel with uh jaffe and then we actually uh were on the same flight with some other guys so we all ubered to the hotel together mm-hmm. and then um we all met up we met in someone's room too and then yeah. uh got a little got a little lit I'd say. <laughs> yeah a little lit uh can you uh do you want to name drop anyone who are you who are you hanging out with when you go to these shows uh so I met a lot of people in the SoCal like community mm-hmm. that goes to the shows in um, Orange County in LA. And then also um, I met up with Ryan's Cards, TJ, and um, Raul. We yeah. we mobbed together for a little bit. We got breakfast on Saturday, or no, Friday morning. And sure. then, dude, it's just like, it's crazy. Like you meet so many more people every time you go. And then yeah, your circle just gets bigger. And that's how I felt this trip. For yeah, sure. that, that's what I love about the hobby, man. I feel like every time I totally feel the same way. Like every time I go to a show, like I see someone that I met once, they remember me. I we bat, banter for a little bit. They introduced me to some other guy that's cool. And we end up being friends. So I always love uh, I'll always love seeing the circles get bigger, especially like on like social media, seeing like people like commenting and i'm like oh i didn't know you know that guy like oh how'd you guys meet oh we met at this show like, i was like oh that's awesome um yeah one of the best parts of the hobby for sure did you guys get any uh, pickup basketball in this weekend no no we didn't no that's a that's just a strictly la uh card show move yeah dude honestly there's not really any time yeah for sure. you weren't in atlanta but at a culture collision there was actually like a three-on-three tournament at the show it was really it was a pretty interesting vibe with like having that going on at the same time but uh it's funny seeing dudes walk around with their like full-on uniforms <laughs> well uh i i want to know though max me, max and i were wondering we were talking before um about what what was going down in dallas like what what were the things that you saw a lot of uh what were dealers you know selling a lot of more so than past times or like what was it, anything interesting that you noticed about like what people were trying to move or what people were trying to buy um it was an interesting Dallas trip for sure because market's kind of funky right now but um still a lot of transacting going on and still a lot of big deals going down um I feel like the market kind of shifted a little bit maybe towards um you know not much as like modern stuff and more towards vintage and like quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Herbert and Mahomes are moving and a little bit more of like known assets less so like just kind of like modern taking flyers on stuff max have you been noticing that same thing for you as a seller can you repeat the question yeah no like ryan ryan's trying to make the point that like sellers are generally you know things that are moving right now are kind of the more like traditional like guys that you're always that people are always looking for like your boy saratoga slabs alex is like he's always doing his post like willing to buy tops chrome gold parallels of you know, the big guys, like, uh, you know, all the whatever baseball names, like Acuna, Soto, those guys. Um, have you been noticing that too? Like, I know you kind of dabble with like Jazz Chisholm and his market. Um, is there any, uh, event- yeah. Once you grow outside of those, you know, common eight or so, I mean, I baseball's my specialty. I stick to that domain. The more that you get out of those 
that those specific list of players, the less buyers that you have readily available to scoop up all of their cards. And you just, even at a certain value price point, you're dealing with more difficult liquidity. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as a, as a Steph Curry collector, it's, you know, everyone's like, Oh, the market's crashing. And I'm like, looking at eBay, like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I see that. But uh, I know that you guys are like actually buying and selling cards significantly a lot. Um, I, Ryan, you had a you kind of had a, vi- a tweet that caught my attention this weekend, you said, and you're a big F1 guy, Max is a big F1 guy. Um, you said, four F1 greatest knowledge collectors are all vying for one card of mine right now. This is surreal. Can you tell us a little bit about like what that vibe was where you were, what the card was who those people were? Yeah, so um, I purchased the Max Verstappen um, 2020 PSA 8 Orange Wave. What's that number out of 25? Yeah, it's the his rookie card technically, and um, it's pretty hard to find nowadays. But anyways, I purchased it on like Friday night, like like at like 3 a.m. at train night. <laughs> That's <And> awesome. <laughs> So the thing about Dallas is everyone stays in the lobby until whatever time. So they call it they call it train night, and then there's an official train night on Saturday. What uh, what lobby is it? Is this like everyone stays at the same hotel? Yeah, yeah. So the the hotel hotel that the convention's at, I stayed there, and I stayed there the past two times, and it's just way better if you stay there. Like you you just walk downstairs. Um, but anyways, so I got the max card the next day. Um. I go to dinner with a bunch of F1 guys, kind of, after we pulled the one-of-one George Russell flag. Why didn't I have it? It was crazy. It was crazy. So we all go to a steakhouse, and then afterwards, we go back to the hotel for train night, and everyone's just chilling in the lobby. And then these three F1 guys, um, I don't know if I should say their names. No, no, you don't have to say Yeah, you know, whatever. No. Actually, I'll shout them out because they're they're good friends now. Um, Jupsa, Tater, and ABC. So, anyways, I mean, I don't know how many people are going to watch this, and they probably don't know them. But they nah, were dude, shout literally them out. arguing over my card, like, like. So ABC um, has the same exact card of mine. He has he the he has another one of the orange waiver factors. Same grade, same card. He won another one. And then uh, they were, dude, they were like, they're like, I saw it first. Like, no, I, st- I touched it first. You won't let me hold it. Like, <laughs> so yeah, how, did, how did the rules of dibs work in that situation when you have three buyers like that all? One dude, I don't time? even know. Like, you're literally throwing <laughs> I, hope you, I hope you got your dinner covered. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got, I got, I did well on the trade, I think. I mean, Oh, yeah. So you ended up trading it. I did end up trading it. So. Who, who did you end up trading it to and for what you get? Um, it was, it was to ABC and it was to, um, you can, you can check his Instagram. He has one of them. He has a crazy collection. What's his Instagram? Um, ABC always collecting. ABC always collecting. Cool. Yeah. And then he has a max, he has a max red. Jeez. That's out of five. That's out of five, right? The, yeah. Yeah. But anyways, big deal went down, um, both sides happy. And then yeah. Yeah, wait, what can you can you say what you got for it? I got a Lewis SP Sapphire 10, a George Russell Gold 70th portrait 10, and then a little bit of cash on top. Nice, nice. nice I I, I was gonna say, I hope you got at least a little bit of cash out of that that trade. That's a that's a good that's a good move. People are like, oh like and but they didn't know cash was was involved. So yeah, I think Something that's very big that I think is one of the biggest takeaways of shows is that when you go to dealers, you know, there's I definitely had many experiences where a dealer wants to take a look at my showcase, take a look at my briefcase, see all of my cool cards and then say after looking at everything, they pick out one card and they say, yeah, I'll take this at 70 percent comps. And I'm like, why did I just show you my entire inventory, my briefcase, if you're just going to look at 70 percent comps? I was talking about this. I mean, I'm looking like everyone's getting a shout out today, but I was talking with Logan's League earlier today about one of the biggest aspects of, okay, do you want to stay to this hard and fast rule of being at 70% comp so you never lose a deal or especially shown at trade nights and at bigger shows in these lobbies is that people just want a fair deal or a deal that they feel they're winning or both sides feel like they're winning and that it's fair. They're not looking to just 
stick to a hard and fast rule where like it's a can't lose situation. And I think that's something very important when doing transactions like this. Yeah. So at these at these trade nights, it's it's pretty crazy. Like if you ever can make it to one, it's it's like a lobby full of people and they're all sitting on the ground and crowding around and like just like shooting the shit. Like um, they just want to make deals too, and it's and it's an even playing field. There's no vendor to vendor to a uh, customer. You feel, you feel like that's an even playing field though? Or is that like people out here trying to shark you and like oh, pull, yeah. pull fast I mean, ones? I mean, yeah, but it goes both ways. Like you, you're out there, you gotta make you gotta make your move too. You gotta you gotta or, be eaten. It's it's not even that one side is always winning. I know I went the only trade you know, official trade night I went to was at Bleaker Trading in New York City. And I mean, first of all, everyone, you know, likes like previously mentioned, everyone's on a level playing field, but the context of the cards that you're dealing and acquiring are very situational. You know, if okay, is this a card that I've been sitting on for a while, or do I need more cash than I usually do, or is this guy, does this guy look like he grades stuff? Is can I going to am I going to be able to take advantage of him not grading some of these? It's all very, and there's definitely times where both parties win a deal, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great point. I think Ryan, you guys, something that both you, Max, you, Max, and you, Ryan, do is a uh, you guys buy rate, raw cards and grade them and kind of make a good amount of money doing that. Um, but I think you guys kind of do it in different ways. But I think can you guys or one of you guys want to talk about like what f what the F one market looks like for grading and why like you have to rely on that, but also like what the opportunities you see in the F one market and why that's something that you guys are so heavily invested in. Um, I can at least, I know Ryan is going to just expand on whatever I say even more so because, you know, bastion of knowledge right here in this, yep. in this podcast. Um, something that's very important specifically, I want to say it's just the parallels, but there's a, I want all of the Formula One Chrome cards were produced in Italy with a different set of quality control. There's a very common notch on the back of parallels for Chrome F1. PSA will almost always give this just with this notch on the back, a PSA 7 or PSA 8, but SGC will sometimes just not factor this notch significantly in grading entirely. So you really have to pick which company is going to play towards each specific defect and finding parallels that don't have this notch or don't have a very common other issue with quality control is big. Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes the year 2020 F1 so crazy is that it's already a, a, a smaller print run compared to, you know, like baseball and basketball. And then the boxes just got so expensive. And then, you know, you rip a box and you can get skunked or you can pull a life-changing card. And it's, it's just the craziest set, in my opinion. It's the top five set ever made. Wow. Top five set ever oh, yeah. made. That's, okay. a, that's a hot take, but I, I, I you know, I like it. I, like- I, can, I say top 10. You say top 10. Are you take it back? (laughs) I I like that though, because you know, that set is, I mean, I like that sort of like forethought that you guys have with that set because of like how many rookie cards are in there. It's like the first, you know, F1 Chrome set. Um, I was the biggest F1 hater when the products came out just because tops was maximizing every possible license. I remember at the time that they had uh, cornhole, corn, corn, whatever the cornhole, 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 cornhole. Thank you. Cornhole league tops now cards. And Lewis Hamilton's first Tops Now card is doing, you know, a thousand to two thousand dollars on a PSA ten. I'm like, okay, is this even sustainable? Is there enough legitimate interest to it? And now a year later, I am waking, <laughs> up, waking up on Sunday mornings to watch races. It sucked me in. It's very fun. The marketing has been insane, and it really just shows if the demand can overweigh the print run, then that will make a product boom. Part of the biggest thing with soccer is that I don't want to say the genuine growth from Americans in soccer has been that large over the past several years. But with F1, it's been exponential. And you can really see just in high, how dynamic the prices have changed. Yeah, Ryan, what's your, uh, how do you get into F1? Like, what was your first card you bought of F1? What was like, how you got it? Start for Like, are you a fan? So I didn't even know what F1 was like one and a half year ago, one and a half years ago. So I was in Hawaii last June. So almost... Almost a year ago, like 11 months ago, 
I, w- I watched the Netflix series with my friends and then um, I'd been hearing about F1. I've been, you know, I knew that the product came out, but I didn't really, I didn't know anything about it. So then watched the Netflix series as most people did and fell in love with the sport. And then I go, obviously I, I go to eBay and stuff and start buying cheap singles. And then I ended up buying a couple boxes just to sit on ended up being, you know, obviously a great play. And then as time goes on, these cars just keep on going up in price <laughs> and becoming more limited and the market just goes crazy. And then, um, the rest is history. I feel like there. <laughs> yeah. Do you, are you still sitting on those boxes or you ripped those? So I moved, moved a couple Sapphire, um, rebought a couple Chrome. So right now I have like, I think I have like three boxes of Chrome. And then a couple boxes of 21 Chrome. That's sweet. That, so, I mean, that's, I, I, I'm interested to see what happens now with F1 as like these guys, like what a vet F1, Lewis Hamilton, you know, refractor, whatever goes for in the future. Um, because yeah, I mean, the market is super, so weird. Did you see the super sale? No, nah, were you just were doing a sale on Twitter before this, this pod, right? Oh, no, the, the, um, the super sale on the Lewis. Oh, the Superfractor Auto. Wait, the Superfractor oh. on Auto, or they saw Loop. I saw Loop had the Superfractor Auto. Yeah, they do, but it's not an auction yet. Okay. Yeah. But the the, the non-auto, non-auto Super Lewis twenty twenty went for nine hundred thousand. Jeez. Yeah, and then the, his like Futera rookie went for what, like six hundred k, six hundred k, right? Yeah. Yeah. So for the so that for the listeners back home, the uh, Lewis Hamilton, he's pretty much like what like. For lack of a better comparison, like the LeBron James of F1, maybe even the Jordan. No, he's he's the goat. He's the, he's the goat. All right, so all right, he's the goat, and so he's uh, he has his first like rookie card is this Futera set, which is like this like limited print run, only released in us like Asia and Europe, maybe. But it was like, but, but still a set that was branded as very high end. Sports. It wasn't just like a, a dumpy tops now that just happened to have a low print run. This was meant to be a higher end racing collectible. Yeah, and it you know only I, from what I hear, only about fifty copies are supposed to exist or are supposed to exist right now. And I think two PSA nines are out there. So someone wow. bought one of them for six hundred k, which is pretty cool. Um, but that's like one of those weird. It's one of those things where like F one is a market that I know is something Ryan that like you are interested in mainly because you are someone that I'm seeing on Twitter who is constantly posting cards that I never knew existed. Um, so do you, is that something that you are like actively pursuing where you're like, oh, I'm going to try to find things that no one knows about? Or are you like, oh, this is just something that I'm interested in. And then like you find out later that it's rare. Like, for example, the uh, the Killmonger PMG that you sold me that I'll hold up for the camera here. Yeah. So I think it's a it's mostly of what I like. So I'm into, you know, hip hop culture, you know, other stuff like that. And um, I, I like pop culture cars and I think that they, you know, deserve a place in this hobby. And um, I take inspiration sometimes from the great curator. Um, he, he has an unreal pop culture collection and um, I, I love it. You know, I see I say, why not? Yeah, I mean, for the weird stuff, people think it's weird, but I mean, I also think it's weird, but I think it's funny, you know, why not? Yeah, Yeah, I feel like me and you have like very similar perspectives on that. And honestly, like I got to credit you for like most of this. Like, I don't think I would have really known about the market for like, I remember like seeing you post that like Kanye Taylor Swift card for like, well, you're probably one of the first people I saw post that card. Not that that's like a super rare. Oh, you got it right there, obviously. Not that (laughs) it's like a super rare one, but like, but like, that's a card you were in on super early as like, I just think this is cool. I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to buy these. I think there's a market for it. And like, I think that's something me and Max like to talk about on here is like, buy what you think is cool and like rare. And like, if, if it's cool and rare to you, then like, if it's cool to you and rare, you will never lose. And like, uh, especially in these markets for pop culture stuff, it's like something that I think about when I buy cards like that. It's like, I also am a huge hip hop fan. That's kind of how we bonded kind of initially, I feel like, because your, your origin of your name, Playboy, Playboy cards uh, is like something that I was thinking about. I was like, I am constantly list- like searching for new hip hop. Like I'm always looking, like talking to people about it. Like people follow music like they do sports. 
why would that be any different for cards? And Max, I'm going to let you do your little uh, non-sports monologue here about why it's a, why you don't think it's that uh, great of a market. It's not that I necessarily don't think it's a bad market, and I'm not going to expound on those too deeply because a thought did come into my mind of that, which is especially relevant with non-sports, is that card the best cards to collect are either ones that are so detailed and have such an interesting history or are so unique that you need to be able to explain them on end in order to understand their significance, or ones that are just so incredible that they speak for themselves. I feel like the ones that are the coolest to collect usually aren't in the middle. It's just very discreet between and a dichotomy between ones that require a lot of explaining and a lot of detail and ones that are just so significant. They are standalone pieces. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. Ryan, do you have you ever made a play on like a non sports card that like you ended up taking a pretty big L on? Or have yeah, there been a lot of W's? <laughs> yeah, these PMGs I might take a long time moving. Like I have I have too many, but at least I graded them and um i think that remember that michael phelps like sports illustrated yeah i think i paid like like i was into it for like 40 bucks and then sold it for like 30 or something but mm-hmm. it was whatever like mm-hmm. like i definitely take l sometimes on these mm-hmm. on these random cards but i do i have made money on them and it's yeah. just fun like i don't really mind yeah like, that's a loss on this kanye card yeah you how much you lose on that kanye card like twenty five dollars, probably. Yeah, but when you're buying, when you're when you're in the F F one market like you, I feel like the the, the non, that sort of stuff is kind of more of like you kind of spice it up, right? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just nice to have it, you know, nice to look at every now and then. For sure. Um, you, you do you do something really fun on Twitter that I want to talk about, which is your razes, and not because like you're the only you're not the only guy out there doing razes, but you do them in a really unique way, and I want you to kind of talk about how you. So what I'm just going to tell the listeners what you do. So you basically put up like a couple pictures of like 20 to 40 cards and are like, all right, I'm doing a seven, a $3 Raz at a hundred spots, $3 a spot. And if you win, you can pay out any of these cards you want. And there's a bunch of cool options. And it's always like, I have never seen you post one of those and not had like scrolled and like zoomed in and seen exactly what every one of those cards are because you always have such a cool variety. Can you tell us about like how you set those up and like, what your thought process is, what like what cards you present to people? Yeah, so basically, I just see it as a fun way to sell cards. It's just um, allowing anyone to take a chance and take a small percentage of what a card is worth and be able to win a card for that price. And what I do is I, you know, give them a bunch of choices because I oftentimes have a lot of inventory that I need to move. And I let them choose what choice they want. And um, power to the winner, they can choose, you know, a, a box of wax or, you know, a, a baseball single or an F1 card. Or um, even sometimes I threw in, like, a pair of Yeezy slides. Like, it's just fun to me. And then people people seem to like it. And um, sometimes they take a long time to fill, but I don't really mind. Yeah, I, I, I personally like never join a Raz. I very rarely join breaks. But when I see you post like a $3 Raz, I'm like, I spend so much worse money buying like random wax and like hangers and shit. Like I can afford, like I'm like, this is not a bad $3. I'm like, did the math. I'm like, if I enter one of these every month. It's like, if I even if I win one in four years, it's like still sort of paying for it. So I'm not, I'm not really tripping. I'm kind of unique though. Usually you have some degenerates who go in there like, take 30 spots like um, one, one um, is your one yeah but, one of these days yeah, you you gotta get at least five maybe if you want to actually win have you ever had anyone win off one spot in a hundred hundred spot rounds i think yeah definitely i think a couple times one spot and maybe a few other times they have like two two or three spots but, so, you're, so you're saying there's a chance for me. So I'm, I'm not going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing it. But uh, something that I wanted to talk to you about, which I'm repping right now, shout out, um, is uh, where you work and like kind of like how you how you kind of are in the, the actual card industry, not just as like a dealer, yes. but uh, also as like someone who works as on a, in a car. Or, can you just tell us about what your shop is that you work at and what your your job is? Yeah. So it actually it sounds crazy that you say that that. My job is in cards, but it is. So I 
I do work at a card shop in LA. We're called The Hobbyist. Um, we opened last summer, yes, repping the merch. Um, we're a beautiful shop in, in Hollywood and um, we're a small team, small-ish location, but tons of wax. Most wax I've ever seen in my life. It's just, it's just been a blast working there and um, being able to do something that I enjoy and um, it doesn't really feel like work when I, whenever I go in. It's just, just surrounded by cards and people that I enjoy being around and have similar interests. Yeah, for sure. Um, I had the pleasure of going to the hobbyist uh, in back in February with my company Ludex. Um, so I and I want to just like hype you up a little bit here. You're a very humble guy, and you <laughs> you are not a very braggadocious guy. But the hobbyist is probably the coolest card shop I've ever been to. I mean, I don't even know if I could say probably. It definitely is the best card shop I've ever been to. It is a private appointment. Is that true? It's a private appointment like shop where you have to like have called ahead and been like, yo, I'm going to show up at this time. And they, you guys have to, you know, agree, right? That's how it goes. Yeah. So we are appointment only. Um, we do not open our front gates to Melrose Avenue usually. Um, we we kind of decided to do that from the beginning just because um, we wanted to create like a luxurious private experience for the buyer that um, they can feel like they're valued and um, that we can cater anything to them that they need uh, within the card space. Um, and also for safety reasons in Los Angeles, you know, um, yeah. But yeah, we are open. whenever someone's in the shop, we're open for business and you can just come through the back. Yeah, that uh, it's a very it's a very unique shop. I feel like I feel like I you very rarely will hear of a card shop like this. But I think especially in LA where you have these kind of people that might be kind of used to those sort of more personalized shopping experiences that that um, environment is awesome. And also like I, I chilled there for about an hour with like a, a bunch of my employees and like, I don't think there's a better place to just hang out and talk about sports cards than, or like just cards in general than the hobbyists. Like you guys have like a bar cart set up. There's a TV and a lounge. It feels like you're at like a speakeasy or something, man. It's like, yeah, it's a very cool vibe. And like, I mean, if you're ever in LA or Hollywood, you I call ahead, call say say you listen to the pod, and say then uh, Ryan will hook it up, right? Damn me, yeah. Just give us a heads up, and yeah, come through. Yeah. So what what exactly is your job there for them? Can you like because you travel for and you kind of go as a re representative of the hobbyist sometimes? Is that is that how it goes? Yeah. So I'm kind of just like anything really. I'm part breaker, parts sleever part like singles manager i guess i don't know but singles yeah. manager what does that mean dude or, <laughs> i don't even know man but they they sent me to dallas with a bunch of slabs this trip and i made a I made a lot of good deals for the for the shop and i set up at shows and bring their their slabs their singles um and we work together on a nice sells so i've been selling a good amount of cards for them but I need to start getting into selling more wax. Yeah, that's sweet. Uh, Max, what did you, you've never heard about the hobbies before. What are your first reactions to hearing about like an appointment only uh, card shop? I am a little bit blown away by the idea and I'm surprised that this is the only one of its kind in that it is, like you said, an appointment only card shop that's meant to be on the more luxurious side. I think of how, there's probably five or so card shops near me on Long Island that have popped up since 2020 alone. And I want to say one or two of them are from big time breakers. And most of the others are from old men who are lucky to get allocation. And if anything, they're in a crummy building that are barely paying or seemingly barely paying for overhead. So the thought of a higher end private collecting experience especially when it's, from my understanding, it's a hobby shop. There's lots of wax, which leads to lots of fun and gambling. Yeah, Max, let me tell you, the hobbyist has some of the coolest wax you'll see on a, on a shelf at, a, at, a show, at any card shop in the world, maybe even at any show. Like, you will see, wax, you'll see like, 20, like 2016 Donruss optic okay. set, like Good. wax, like shit like that. Like some of like the nicest wax you could possibly see ryan can you talk about some of the cool boxes you've seen at the shop i don't know why i keep putting out but yeah no, dude, we good. have 
we have a bunch of wax from the past, you know, 10 years, maybe. Um, obviously, in, like, we even have a top 2003 uh, basketball box in our store. Um, we're lucky enough to have a, a well-known distributor um, in the area. So um, we're partners with them, and they, they, they're able to get us what we need for sure. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's honestly just it's crazy just walking into work and then being surrounded by all this product cases yeah. here cases yeah. there does it desensitize you're not do you rip wax yourself ever very rarely very rarely but you're you're smarter than matt the smarter than i max max what did you rip this week <laughs> what did i rip this week i ripped a box of bowman and i ripped a 2022 bowman and i ripped a box of 2021 bowman chrome sapphire that was the first wax i had ripped since early March mm. and I'm ready to go two and a half more months without ripping <laughs> those boxes stunk. Yeah. That's that, how, how often I rip too, but I did rip an F1 hobby um, a couple of weeks ago. You hit anything good? Yeah. No Ricardo red auto. It's a five. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's what happens when you only rip one wax like four times a year, you hit bangers uh, as opposed to me. I, I, finally, hit. I finally got my hit. Yeah. yeah let's go dude that's sick yeah that's how i felt when i hit that staff uh, out of 10 for mosaic earlier this year it's just like oh dude that was sick was that a solo no nah, i was out of mega mega but i got it at retail so i was like it was a, it was a dub it was a massive dub <laughs> but uh yeah i i think the hobbyist is something that like as like every car shop that i see it's like dang are you just like half a break like are you just like a breaking site it's like when i see people breaking at card shows online i'm like why are you even setting up, dude? Like, you're breaking cards for people online while you paid for a table at a card show where people are, are standing right in front of you trying to buy cards from you and you can't talk to them because you're on streaming. I don't know. I, I, I don't mean to, like, hate on people, but, like, I just don't no. think that's the future, man. That's not the future. Sounds like you're a hater. <laughs> no, that makes complete sense to me. Like, why pay for that space when you can just stay at home? Yeah, right? <laughs> Literally, like, I don't think the people, like, it's loud at card shows. You don't want to be streaming, and, like, there's not really good service usually either. It's like, I don't know, man. That just, that that always just is, like, such a bizarre thing to me when people are doing that. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think, Ryan, you're, like, one of my oldest, like, the reason why, like, I wanted to have you on is because I've, I feel like me and you have kind of grown, not, like, super like at the same pace and i don't flip cards really like you do but like in terms of i we kind of started on twitter similar times and have both kind of got jobs in the hobby since meeting each other and kind of being like doing it as a side thing and then now it's like kind of all we think about um can you tell us a little bit about about like how you got into collecting and like kind of like your story with that yeah dude it, honestly it is crazy to think about what you just said um um you know, I think for a lot of people, um, it all started with the pandemic, and that was when I first got introduced. I think um, Jonah actually yeah. gave me a gift one time, and he threw in a Steph Curry card and, like, a Jimmy Lin card. And I was like, oh, like, he sent me basketball cards? Like, that's pretty cool. Oh, you're kind of out a little bit here, but uh, I'm going to give a quick shout out to our man, Jonah. He's at Plato's Cards on Twitter. Uh, Jonah is one of, like, me and Ryan's like uh, he's Ryan's actual real life homie and he, he's my real life homie too he stayed with me in my apartment like we've gone out we've done shit together but like Jonah uh was also one of the guys that like helped me early on he was like dude like he was not like one of those stack sellers on Twitter who's like trying to just like make hell of money off me he was like trying to tell me what's up and like we kind of realized we were the same age into the same shit um and then he introduced me to you I kind of forgot about that like shout out Jonah in general man Jonah's the man so Jonah gave you some Gave you a birthday present with some cards. What happens? What happened from there? Um, and at the time, I was a big uh, 2K player, uh, NBA 2K, and they had this uh, mode called My Team, where you can buy and sell cards of players and use those players to play with. And it was basically the same, like how it's like how the market works in the hobby too. Like you yeah, it's the same concept. Cards. Same concept. Most your cards for auction, buy and sell. You can actually like invest in cards, and then. So I was I was working on my team, auction house market, and I got introduced to sports cards, and then. I don't know what led me to buy some cards on eBay, but I did. 
I ended up buying a Lonzo Ball second year status base card. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was my first purchase back in the hobby. It was like 78 cents or something. Like a <laughs> And that then, is that is so awesome. And that basically started the addiction. The addiction, and then selling my first card started another addiction. So then, from there on, just keep buying, selling, buying, selling. Two years of buying, selling, and then that's where I am today. And was able to meet some people along the way. Um, found a job in the hobby, and I can call it my full time job now. Something that I find to be a very interesting parallel and the times that I've done this have been when I've been absent with cards was um, you were referencing NBA 2K, my team. For me, I was just grinding the 2014 Madden mobile auction houses, trying to flip players, maximize my coins so I can get a better overall team while also you know, improving my allotment of coins to buy more players. And I think in this realm of Gen Zers, you know, people that are generally 25 and under growing up with that type of stuff is directly translates to collecting. Like you've mentioned. Yeah, it's, it was wild. Like I was, um, in, in 2k, I was playing the game to earn coins while also, uh, selling stuff on the auction house to turn coins. And then I was selling coins to my friends. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, dude. I think like, that's that's honestly like what i feel like is like the easiest thing and like if i was fanatics i would just throw a ton of money at 2k and be like dude like throw in exclusive packs into your like the game dude you know how many people would be lining up outside of gamestop if there was like exclusive parallels inside of 2k games dude i just feel like the 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 crossover there is like so easy money and the fact that they don't do it already is just such a disservice to the hobby i think like don't you think that like ryan wouldn't that be a sick idea what you just said is crazy Imagine if 2K did a collaboration with Panini or eventually Tops and did trading cards in the game that you can use. And it's like a prism card, let's say. That would be, that's, yeah. Dude, that's the fucking feature. Max. Max, you got something to say about that? Um, I have not purchased a video game console since 2008 when I got an Xbox 360. My gaming at this point is limited to chess.com and leechess. All right, boring nerd. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we love you, Max. But Ryan, like that's something that like I feel like me and you, like I, I, me and Max talk about this stuff a lot too. Is just like how to expand the hobby, like how to get people into it. Um, I think you have a lot of ideas for that too. Like the like the crossover between pop culture, music. You know, uh, you know, being willing to take chances with like a with like a sport like F1, like trusting your gut that like what you think is cool, what's interesting to you and your friends is something that like other people will also find interesting. And that's like that's just fucking real life, dude. That's just like what that's just how shit goes down. Like, like I think that's why I'm optimistic about the future of the hobby. And I think I think all three of us are probably as like young people heavily invested in it. Like we see people's faces when they see cards for the first time and i can tell pretty much immediately if someone's going to be into it or not like if they're going to get it or not like do you ryan do you have experience with friends in la and like uh from college and stuff where like they'll be like dude i just like saw you post something and now i'm like kind of into it a little bit do you have people reaching out to you um, like about the cards yeah um here and there like a lot of my friends they know i do it now and they they support it, I guess, but um, it's honestly, yeah, it's it's crazy to see how how far we've come, I guess, like as a as an industry in the hobby, and um, I think I think it's gonna continue to grow, hopefully, with with the years to come. Yeah, and I yeah, for sure, man. Especially with people, I mean, uh, I'm gonna keep gassing you up, Brian, but like just like people with, like you in the hobby, and like the people like that, like. You, not only you, but like your extended circle of guys that like I really enjoy and like got to meet when I was out in LA. Like I feel like those type of people being invested in the hobby is what I want. And honestly, like as much as like a as like a, as a cliche as this is, like we are the future of the hobby, man. Like what we are into and what we are buying now is what's going to be popular. You know, that's going to hold value is like shit that we think holds value. Like it's not whatever the you know that's why we call ourselves the young old heads because we're not like out here 
we're not out here saying like, oh, only buy vintage cards. You know, I have my I have my colleague Matt who came out to LA with us. He was like, talk, who uh, loves to talk about vintage F1. And uh, not that I'm hating on vintage F1, but like, you know, like there's something about Drive to Survive and like the connections people make with those guys from those shows that that's what's driving a lot of the value, not the sport itself necessarily, you know? Yeah, yeah. Have you, uh, have you looked into the F1, vintage F1 market at all since then? Not really, man. It's just, it, I think it's too, like, it's too deep to dive into. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a guy on, on Instagram that I think you should follow who actually lives in West Hollywood, um, who's, a, who's a friend of mine. Uh, his, his ad is at Sunsport Trading. Do you, yeah. have, have you seen him? No, what about him? So he, uh, honestly, if you have your phone with you, look him up on instagram right now um he lives in west hollywood you should honestly reach out to him i think uh ryan if you want but he he has the best senna collection in the world i think uh he has like the highest grade i think of his rookie and uh he's our age he's he's like a you know young 20s guy um wow. really cool guy kimball um i hope he's chill with me talking about <laughs> i think he's probably chill about me talking about him but he's a really nice guy and like he lives in LA now, so I think I think you should reach out. I think he would be a good guy for you to to link up with. He has a lot of he has a plethora of hobby knowledge. I don't know anyone like our age who knows more about some of this like older non sport vintage and F one like kind of markets. Kind of the same stuff that you're into, but for older stuff. Um, yeah, cool guy. Uh, shout out him, Max. Do you have uh, thoughts on anything right now? I'm at a loss. <laughs> I am at a loss of, for words when we talk about vintage, let alone vintage. All right. Well, that's. I, I let the masters speak. Yeah. Ryan, what's up? I am trying to get into vintage, though. Yeah. What is. Not, have you made any buys or like, what are your thoughts? Not F1 in particular, but um, I think that the vintage market is one of the most steady and will be the most steady to come, like in maybe the next year, a couple of years, I think. Yeah, and I'm not in it. I'm not. I don't know anything. I don't. I'm not in the vintage market. But uh, from what I've been hearing and seeing, I don't know. I just want to give it a try and um, get in there and get some vintage cards. Yeah, that's that's another reason to go to card shows. Is like it's really, it's easier to learn about vintage markets and stuff by asking the dealers that only have vintage. Like I love going to card shows and asking the guys that have like the weird vintage stuff, like what's up with it and like where they got it, why they have it, like what's the value what's the cool story behind like this weird vintage card um i always bring up this northwestern card that i bought in uh bought at a card show that's like the first it's from it's like the first basketball card so it's like a it's like a really old you know it's a 1910s card but it's it's like a cigarette card but it has it's like one of the first cards depicting people playing basketball and like that's something where like i don't think i would have really figured that out online like I, there's not like an article that's like oldest basketball cards.com or you know, it's not like there's like bleacher no. reports not writing like five vintage basketball cards you should be buying today like they're not those aren't really things you could like you can trust online so like having a dealer that I, like i could clearly see was legit with all his stuff that he had out there being telling me this stuff i'm like wow that's something i don't know if i would have learned um but ryan i me and me and max love talking about collecting uh, collecting i'm a as as you know as someone who sold me many cards <laughs> you know i'm a huge warriors collector <laughs> and like uh i know that you you keep some pc you flip mo you know you're mainly you mainly are buying and selling and you're a appreciator of cards you hold cards for a while uh can you talk to it do you have anything you keep for your pc any guys i do have i do have a couple guys i keep in my pc so i decided to make my true pc jeremy lynn for obvious reasons um he's he's my favorite player and of all time probably uh other than kobe of course um just for like what he's done for asian american kids like me and he's taiwanese i'm taiwanese so not just asian american but with from the same country our parents but anyways him and yao ming is my secondary pc oh that's sweet uh i didn't know about the yao ming pc i know that I know about your Jeremy Lin PC, and it's something that I love watching. You have a National Treasures RPA, right? I have two. You no. have two National Treasures RPAs? Damn, dude, that's sick. Um, right here, you want to see them? Yeah, yeah, pull them out. I know. I, I, you know why I love Jeremy Lin rookie cards, right? Because <laughs> they're on the Warriors. Right, I'll, show you, I'll show you three PCs. Yeah, yeah show them. Um, here's PSA 9 Jeremy Lin. That's a, can, you, can you describe it for the people that might be listening? So 
National Treasures is probably one of the highest end. I mean, it is one of the highest end basketball collections. So. Me and Max, me and Max like to say National Treasures is the highest end. I think we like to we like to make uh, declarations out here. <laughs> I, I I am fully a victim to just the strong branding of it. Yes. <laughs> I will follow consumerism. Yes, and the rookie RPA rookie patch auto for NT is the what do you call it the the most I'm, desirable like you know like the most valuable for sure it's the most expensive desirable card for any player and yeah. i don't think i don't know if he had an rpa but i have two just autos and national one, yeah national treasures autos those are sick wow that's okay. an awesome card rookie and then another cool one is kobe and jeremy lynn those, oh, that's a game worn select dual pat dual patch of Kobe and Jeremy Lin. That's a really awesome card. That can that's your those are your guys right there, man. Yeah, literally. Those are your fucking guys. That's awesome. Those are sweet cards. Do you is there a community of like I know I've seen a few Jeremy Lin collectors on uh, social media. Do you guys you did you buy those off other collectors or did are those something you found kinda in the wild? Kind of in the wild. Um I I do actually I've seen a few collectors on Instagram too and I've actually talked to one of them, um, but he does have a really strong market. Like, probably surprises a lot of people. Um, but I, I, these cards, like, I'm they're for my PC. Yeah, yeah. you're not getting rid of those. Uh, <laughs> I, I, that's why I wanted. To, like, honestly, that's another. I mean, there's a million reasons why I wanted to have you on, but I think your Jeremy Lin collection is like is elite man it's like it's one of those things where like you can get you have some of the the nicest jeremy lynn cards and uh i do want to just like jeremy lynn's market is a well-deserved like high demand market i mean i uh, people our age like i'm 23 max is 22 you're 23 too right yeah yeah like for us dude when lynn sanity happened that was like that's like a pivotal moment like that like everyone experienced that for like a month yeah. i was like holy shit jeremy lynn can you tell, did you have any experiences like that? Like, what was that like for you? I was in eighth grade and basically he was taking over the league by storm and I was in the middle of my basketball season. So I was just, it was unbelievable, man. I couldn't even like fathom what was happening on my TV screens when I was watching. And this Asian guy was dropping 40 on the Lakers yeah, and, and <laughs> buzzer beaters, game winners and um, I bought a shirt immediately and wore it like before my games and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And I, I mean, I remember I was watching that. Uh, oh, you have a post trip. I, I remember I was watching that Raptors game winner live on NBA on NBA TV, and I was like, I, f I forget which game it was in the series and like his like string of games. So I think it was like the third game or something. Oh, that's epic, a Jeremy Lin uh, Knicks shirt. Uh, <laughs> no, but like I remember he hit that, and I was like, of course he hit that. Like I, I had no doubt in my mind that that shot was going in, and it was in Toronto, and the crowd went nuts. Like Raptors yeah. fans were cheering like they had just hit a game winner when he like. There's nothing, never been anything like that that's happened in the NBA, and I think that that alone. It's one of those things where, like, that alone warrants value forever when you have a special, something special like that, um, especially for what he means, you know, to, like, the Asian-American community growing up in the Bay Area. You know, that's, like, very heavy part of, like, the culture there as well. And, like, a lot of my friends, you know, I could tell how important it was to a lot of my friends as well who were, like, hooping and stuff. So, uh, shout out Jeremy Lin. Uh, yeah. Shout out Yao Ming as well. Do you, do you talk with Slab Mafia Sports ever about that, Rohan? little bit we go we go back and forth on the on the timeline but nothing too deep um but yeah he he's he's the primary yao collector i i just have a few things here and there like i got this on whatnot today what's that we got a little uh is that a patch that's sick like it was five it was like it was a dollar auction and i won it for like five dollars probably and then yeah i just said why not you know me yeah, Max, Max, do you respect this the Ryan's collection? I respect Ryan's collection, especially as you know. You guys, oh, it's signed. That shirt's signed. You did? I didn't even see that. Do you meet him? Yeah, I met him at a meet and greet in LA when he was on the Lakers. Oh, that's that's sick. Was he a was he a cool guy? I mean, yeah, I just said hi, what's up, and took a selfie, and then he signed my shirt. Yeah, that's dope. I uh, 
I want to say just like as a Warriors fan that and as a Jeremy Lin appreciator uh, that I was so pissed last year uh, as a Warriors fan that they never called him up from the G League. I think that that's one of like, I think that's a huge slight to him. And the fact that they were calling up guys like Kai Bowman and Nico Mannion were getting minutes over him. I'm just like, the, the for all that Jeremy Lin's done for basketball and like not only for basketball, but just like culture, like the fact that, and Bay, like how like Bay Area loves Jeremy Lin, dude. Like he went to his um, Palo Alto. Yeah, Palo Alto High. I was trying. To, I forgot the name. Uh, yeah. So Palo Alto High guy. Like the fact that they didn't bring him up for even a game, dude, just for the fans was like, I couldn't even believe that. It really rubbed me the wrong way. It made me piss that Steph. <laughs> you know, like, I don't even know, man. I was just angry. Me too, a little bit. Me too, a little bit. But um, <laughs> it is what it is, you know. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, Max, you have any you have any questions for Ryan before we? Uh, we I do some closing questions for him. Uh, some closing quick hits. No closing quick hits. All right. Well, I have a couple quick hits for you, uh, Ryan. If you're down. But, um, All right. Uh, Playboy Cards gets uh, gets promoted to CEO of Fanatics. What's your What's your first move? <laughs> too Too deep. <laughs> you dropping on me. On no, me. no, no. All right. How about this? Favorite set. Favorite set. Oh, F one. F one. Twenty twenty Chrome. F one. Uh, do you have a favorite have, set besides F1? Yeah, besides that, you already brought that up. Um, favorite basketball set? Do you have a ba- favorite basketball set? Um, oh, <laughs> but I can't think of it. No, no, you're good. Dude. I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Uh, shoot, maybe maybe Spectra is up there. I like. It may not be my favorite, but I just want to say that it's it's under a little underrated in my opinion. All right, respect. I we me and Max have yet to bring up Spectre once. I think on the podcast. So the fact that you're bringing it up, I love it because that's a that's not something that honestly Spectre is a product that I've ignored largely in my collection. I was like collecting clay and stuff. Like I don't think I have any Spectre clay. But uh, shout out Spectre, interesting product. Uh, I guess that's a maybe a culture, maybe like a East West Coast thing. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, no, all right. Other thing, would you rather have an auto? Or a same value card, like serial numbered, like lower print run card. Mm, so same value, but one's like a base auto and one's like a parallel or something. Not like a base auto, but like an auto. Like, yeah, let's say base auto for the sake of the question and like a, a rare card that's not autographed, but same value. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I think I cut out for a little bit. Yeah, you, I didn't hear your answer. Um, I would probably go with the auto. All right, auto. Uh, would you rather have a nasty patch or a, but with like, like worse condition, not a great condition card or a really nice auto or like a, like a lesser, like a more common auto, but nicer condition. More common auto, but nicer condition. Um, Oh, that's a tough one, actually. Um, I would probably go with the nicer condition because I have the chance of grading it and getting a ten. Yeah, that's that's the that's the difference between me and you. There, I would always ten out of ten times go with the patch. Max, do you have any thoughts on these questions? If I'm trying to make money, then I go for the higher grade card most of the time. But if I'm going for enjoyment, I would rather have the lower grade card. Fair enough. I get that. Um, do you have any Ryan? Do you have any grails? Anything you're going for this year? Anything that like you you like you have goals for? Like I'm gonna try. To, I'm gonna build up my w- war chest, as Max likes to call it, to try to get a certain card. No, no, like specific goals, but I just probably just to keep building, like keep, um, keep making plays. You know. Yeah, man. You just keep keep. Uh, do you have any phrases that you use? I know Max has like a. I forget whether cash flow was one at some point. Cash flow, cash flow, cash flow. Yeah. <laughs> like a, I, like, uh, but, I like to say stuff like we move. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, we move. Yeah. I like that one. Mm-hmm. You know, we move. It's just like insinuating that, like, yeah, things are always happening. I'm always yeah. buying. I'm always selling. I'm always, you know, you, you're, you're realizing your gains kind of in the moment and not necessarily like all at once. Um, I really respect everything you do, Ryan. I think you're an awesome guy, and I'm hyped to meet like to meet up again at the national. If you're gonna you're gonna be at the national, yeah. I haven't booked yet, but I'll be there. I'm All in right. the same boat. I better be there because yeah, 
I missed out. Be sick. Yeah, I was gonna say, bro, you better be there. I, I want to like, uh, whatever. Yeah, let, let's shout out. Can you shout out your uh, the homies though that you were in Dallas with? By I think you can name them by name. We're deep enough in the pod. Yeah, dude. Um, I honestly, this Dallas trip, I hung out with so many like different people and so many different groups, and um, some of the guys from Twitter were there, and I met. I finally met Zmed and Stead Cars, the guys from Card Brokers. And I hung out with Ryan, TJ, Raul, Jaffe, of course, and um, <laughs> um, met some guys from from NorCal, from SoCal. Um, Word, yeah, dude, that's like um, I I just want to say that like the hobby is not clicky. Like if you're at a show and you see like a group of guys like uh, your age that are talking and then like a corner or like not at a like at a table or anything like don't ever be afraid to like just go up there and like just start just like join the conversation see what they're talking about i think that everyone is always you know everyone's always more like or scarier than you think they're gonna be from afar like i feel like on twitter like i'll see guys like zmet or whatever and i don't know zmet at all i've never talked to him but like i know that like he's got to be a good guy he's friends with ryan or he's you know he's friends with max and like i you know the people like that like you as long as you have something and like everyone's in the hobby, man, like we're all kind of nerds. We're all kind of into like nerdy shit. And like, we're all just, we're all just out here, man. We, we move, <laughs> we move, we move. I was just telling my dad this, that like you meet so many people and then you build relationships and then those relationships can like connect you to other people. And then you just keep building and then meeting more people and networking, which is something I've been trying to work on. And, um, I don't know. It's it's just so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, and for can... sure. Yeah, like especially since I started working at LEDX, man, where I'm like twenty four seven, like car, like thinking about the card market, the industry at, at large. Like, I'm way more. I'm way, way more about like trying to ne- not necessarily like. I hate the word network, even though Max loves using it. But like you know, like you're just like I just want to meet as many people as possible who are in the hobby and doing cool shit. And like you're one of those dudes, man. You're doing cool shit. And like I, you won't say it yourself, but like you're doing some of the coolest shit, man. Like where you've come from and where you're going, man, is like, it's, it's fucking inspiring. man. like people, people need to, people got to hear about it. Cause like, this is, this is real life. Like you, you grew your shit from Twitter. You got a job at a hobby shop and now you're flying around the country, going to card shows, flipping with the biggest fucking people in the industry doing shit, man. Like this, that's awesome. Get yeah. hyped. <laughs> I appreciate that, Tommy. Yeah. Oh, Max. Crazy yeah. thing about it. It is my technically my job now, and I, I treat it like that. And but it's it's the most fun job ever. Yeah, man, I I feel the same way. Like, but I think the lesson that I want people to take away, or at least from my fucking random ass monologue here at the end, is just like I'm not gonna do some Gary V shit, but like you can do what you want to do. Like Max has a similar story of like he was flipping ten cent, twenty five cent stack sell cards, and now he's flipping. I still do, and I love it. <laughs> Dude at, dude at this Dallas show i bought so much low end yeah man that's, that's what i love about it that's, I mean, the fact that you brought up the fact that you bought a five dollar yao ming patch for your pc dude is just like that's what it's fucking about man i'm cussing yeah. way too much that's how you know it's an, <laughs> that's the end of the podcast oh, <laughs> max man. any final thoughts for us um in terms of social media following finances you know those being more business metrics as well as you know the non-business metrics enjoyment fulfillment especially you know if you're working a nine to five and you're working a salary job you're getting the same pay every week and you're going to get promoted and you're going to get a raise in your pay but the growth with that is generally generally linear and part Mm -hmm. of why this is such a unique space aside from that you know we mingle with so many people that have the same that we all know each other's addresses we all know everyone's you know we all know everyone's paypal you know, there's a lot of trust that innately comes with this community and every single aspect of it grows exponentially rather than linearly. Yes. That's yes. some real, that's some real shit, man. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, th- that's what we're trying to do here, Ryan. And like, uh, yeah, we're still starting out as a podcast, but like, we're trying to treat it like this is, this is what we want to do. We want to bring these conversations that like, I feel like I only really have conversations like what, what me and Max have here, like what you're bringing to the table here. Like I only really have had these in like card shows before and like bringing that kind of dialogue out to like 
people to listen to and like the fact that like content doesn't just have to be about what you should be buying and what you should be selling right now but like about the experience at large and like it's like a human fucking it's just a human thing man like it's we we all are out here we're all we all are moving we move and i'm gonna end with that because i think that's a good i love i love that line and i'm gonna i'm gonna start using that a lot <laughs> love it all right. Well, thanks for coming on, Ryan. Uh, we'll definitely have you on again for sure. Maybe like maybe we'll have a little segment at the national if we can all link up for a sec and do like a little like recap at some point. I think that'd be kind of fun. That'd be awesome. All right. Thank cool. You. Thank you guys for having me. It was a blast. Yeah, it was a blast. All right.